As I look into this series, we didn't know months ago when we were planning this series what what was going to be happening, but the Lord knew exactly what was going to be happening during this time, and we planned on talking about what the church looks like in Acts chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 39. If you turn in your Bibles with me or, um, or on your devices, Brother Perriman last week shared with us that the promise of his spirit in verse 39, this promises to you to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. This promise was referring to the Spirit of God that would be poured out, that was promised by Jesus. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to be followed by the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit would, would empower us to do it. And, and I'm so grateful for a baptism of the Holy Spirit that would empower us to live holy lives and to minister to our community in a powerful way that God loves them and has a plan of redemption for them. But it's not just the only evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's just the initial physical evidence. And so on today, we're going to be discussing what it looks like to see the rest of the evidence at work in our body of believers as we move forward under the power and the unction of a spirit of God that wants to transform not just us as individuals, but as a church and a community. And God has that in store for us. It's, it's difficult when we go through tragedies in life. It's difficult to, to understand and contemplate what happened over this weekend the tragedy of, of, losing, um, of losing a spouse, having teenagers in your home, of, of trying to figure out what life is like all again. But the normal tendency for us is to, is to break away, to, to go into seclusion, of, of us to hide and, and hurt but God shows us a, a different picture. He, he shows us what it's like to actually, to actually receive healing and become part of a body of Christ. We have an alternative to hurting, and it's found in the community of, of God. But hurting is what this generation is all about. The Bible in verse 40 of Acts chapter 2 tells us that we have the ability to save ourselves from a crooked generation. That's what Peter says. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, struggling, uh, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. That is exactly what the Old Testament prophets describe those that rebelled against Israel, a crooked generation, a generation that chose to, to, to reject God and do what they wanted to do on their own. And I can think of no other generation like this one that has completely exchanged the truth of God for the lies of the enemy. We don't really have an understanding of, 
of many things in this generation, including what a woman is. <laughs> we, we don't understand exactly what hardship is because as it turns out, everybody has been transformed in, into a, a person that has um, experienced some form of, of, of difficulty. But the fact of the matter is, is that each one of us knows what it's like to live on a sin-cursed planet. We know what it's like to experience difficulty, and we know what it's like to experience tragedy. As this generation would experience a, a trauma in their life, what, would, what we'd find is this. We'd find that um, when, when we go through difficulties, we, we, begin to, we begin to pull away from people, seclude ourselves. We begin, to, we begin to try to deal with our hurt and our pain in various ways that are unhealthy for us to, to do. Drugs and alcohol and, and, and wrong relationships. And, and then, then we recourse from the, the pain or recoil from the pain. And, and perhaps many times that pain is related uh, to our finances, all right. there's, always a, there's always a relationship between the pain that we go through and our financial picture. It, it costs a lot to get sick, doesn't it? Turns out it does. It costs a lot to die. It, it, it costs a lot to lose your job. It costs a lot to have an accident. It costs a lot to, to deal with disappointment, to go through a divorce. It costs a lot to go through legal problems. And so when it, it begins to cost a lot, we, well, oftentimes we pull out our credit card and borrow from our future selves, praying and hoping that our future selves are going to be better off than, than our present selves, but oftentimes our future selves are worse off than our present selves. It, that's just kind of the way it happens. And things get worse and worse and worse. And we try to medicate ourselves in various ways to try to take away that pain and that pressure. Everything seems to fall apart. But something is different with the people of God. When things come against us, when storms come, when trials come, things don't fall apart, but instead they, they fall together. As people of God, we, we come back into relationship with one another. As people of God, we, we pull out of seclusion and we bring healing. As people of God, we encourage and we call and we text and we email. As people of God, we love and we live together and we, and we serve one another. We fellowship. And whenever we see that alternative picture, we see something transformative throughout the community, just like Peter saw on the day of Pentecost when it said in verse 40, then Peter continued preaching, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then verse 41, those who believed that Peter, uh, who, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Wouldn't you want to see growth like that happen in God's kingdom? 3,000 people get saved. But that's just one day. And that's from a genuine response to the gospel lived in front of people. 
a genuine response. And that's what the real picture of a church looks like. So as we discuss the remaining passages of Scripture in that chapter, I want to ask you to ask yourself a question as we talk about this. What am I doing to make my church look like the church? What am I doing to make my church look like the church? You and I have a, a tremendous responsibility to conduct ourselves like the church of God especially in moments of tragedy that we experience. Verse 42 tells us, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Luke, in his second work, the our author, gives us this wonderful picture, this wonderful statement of what the church looks like in its functionality as it goes and moves not only to minister, but to live and operate under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us these four things to teach, to fellowship, to share in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So I want to hit those four things as we move through this passage of Scripture today. The first thing is that we are to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, we're, we're supposed to be a church that believes in the Bible, in the Word of God and its power to bring redemption to the heart and life of a, of a sinful person. How many of you know that we used to be sinful people? There's some of you this morning that said, used to? Yeah, that's right. We are a people that depend on God's word that shares the good news of Jesus. I think some ministries and some churches fail because they fail to forget that it's not the news of Jesus, but it's the good news of Jesus. You see, many times in our society, we've become so good at telling people what is so wrong that we forget that there is a remedy to the wrong. And that is Jesus. There's a reason why we say Jesus is the answer for the world today. There's, a, there's an old song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. And for that same reason, that kid that, that uh, on his math test under each problem wrote Jesus uh, was, he was right, but he was wrong. <laughs> It might not be the answer to the math problem, but it is the answer to the world's problems and to our problems. The gospel is the good news. It's the news that when a person finds themselves in pain, in trauma, in sin, in sickness, when a person finds themselves in a mess that they made themselves, Jesus is still their answer. Jesus is still our hope. Jesus is the one that we share with them that will bring life, that will bring freedom, that will bring healing to broken hearts and broken bodies and broken spirits. And if the church of Jesus Christ forgets that Jesus is the answer, then we've missed it all. That the gospel, the good news is the way that we communicate Christ's love to this hurting and lost world. We've missed it all, church. 
That's our number one priority. Secondly, we devote ourselves to fellowship, koinonia. Now, koinonia is that fancy Greek word, koinonia, that means fellowship. Another translation would be for, to share with one another, sharing with one another. How powerful is it to be able to share with one another? Partnership, contributory help, participation, sharing in communion, uh, spiritual fellowship and fellowship in the spirit. These are all powerful ways to, to help us understand what it looks like to have fellowship within the church, within the church body. Many people, whenever they would read the, the following passage of scripture and they would understand what sharing looks like and what koinonia means, they would conclude that it has something to do with some kind of communistic uh, community. And I want to tell you right now that I believe that that is actually a lie from the enemy. That nowhere ever has communism ever been tried and, and proven effective. In fact, it's failed every time. And it's because communism is a, is a poor example, is a lie from the enemy, uh, a twist of God's word that would show us how we're supposed to live. But in fact, it's, it's a way that men have used to politically manipulate and enslave other people. You see, it's a man-made way. God's way is so much different and so much greater because it is not an obligation but we felt obligation from the outside in, from a, a, a government towards us. But instead, it's, a, it's an internal. It's an internal feeling that we have to give and to share in love. But it's more than just our property. It's more than just our finances. It's more than, than just stuff. You see, fellowship talks about sharing in spirit. Sharing in time, sharing in resources, to love, to give to others that are hurting, that are in need, that need us in an incredible way. We are called to do so much more than just share our property. We're called to share our lives with one another. And that's Oh, amazing way that you and I can look like the people of God this morning, especially to a hurting family. I wish I could tell you this morning that the Falcons family was the only hurting family. But if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you have experienced hurt or loss very recently? Many, many people may raise their hand. The truth of the matter is this, is that as we live in fellowship with one another, it doesn't eliminate our loss, but it adds to us. It adds to the joy. It adds to the peace that we have. It adds to us uh, uh, the community of God that fills in the gaps and the cracks and the crevices of our broken heart and brings healing to our situations. Thirdly, we are to share meals together. I'm so glad that Luke included this in here. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> and it's not just limited to the Lord's Supper. It's not just limited to communion, but instead we're supposed to share meals together. That's why, that's why things like meal train is so important. That's why, that's why it's so important to, to invite people out to eat after church, to have people over to your house and fellowship. 
You see, it's not just a nice thing to do. It's not just the, the Christian thing to do. It, there is a mystical and a spiritual significance to sitting across from each other and sharing a meal to loving people, to having a conversation that's deeper than just a, hi, how are you? How's it going? And then moving on quickly to avoid any uncomfortable topics. <laughs> you know that, that hallway side hug, hey, been praying for you. <laughs> it's so easy to be in a church like that. But it's so much better to be in a church that, that hurts with you when you have loss. It, it's so much easier and, and wonderful and filled with joy to have somebody recognize the pain that you're feeling, to share that pain with you, but then also to participate in your healing, to be honest to goodness, God's hands and feet as we reach out and love and encourage and support and uplift one another. What a privilege. What a privilege it is. I want to say thank you to, to all those that have um, uh, given Claudia and I meals o over this past few weeks. We got some good cooks in this place. <laughs> As a matter of fact, too good. <laughs> but I want you to know something. It meant more than just a bite to eat for my family. It's meant more to the Falcons family than just some fajitas. I know they were good. But it says love. It says support. It says compassion. And finally, we're told that they devoted themselves to prayer. Imagine that being completely and utterly devoted to prayer. Many people think that prayer is simply talking to God. And perhaps in its simplicity, it is talking to God, but it's so much more than talking to God because that implies that we are speaking to the Lord and the Lord is simply listening. But I, I wanna tell you, if that's where your theology is, it, it's incomplete. Because we believe that today, here and now, the Lord also responds to us. He speaks through us through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit in a still small voice in our hearts and our lives that bring encouragement and peace and direction and love and support that teach us, that leads us into all truth. And you and I can depend on him. You see, the Bible even tells us that we're not to depend on, upon our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge him. And then he directs our path. You say, well, Pastor John, I just don't know what to do in this situation. Pray. Depend on him. Pastor John, I, I just, I don't know what to say to that family. Ask the Lord. Allow him to give it to you. Well, Pastor John, I, I just, I don't know how to, I should feel. Wait on him, and he'll give you the joy and the peace and the confidence that you need in order to reach out and to minister in incredible ways. That's what he does. We're told that we must pray. It's the will of the Father. It's the will of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, says, Rejoice always. <laughs> always. Not just in the good times, not in just the great times, but 
Rejoice always. I love the song that we sang, that he never has failed us. He has never given up on us. He has never lost control of us. We're to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I love the Greek because whenever I gave myself over to devotion of looking up what the word all means in the Greek, it turns out that the word all means all, everything, all, all circumstances. But don't miss this, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for you. So it's a continual conversation between you and God. So it's very simple. We're devoted to scripture, to the gospel of Christ. We're devoted to fellowship. We're devoted to sharing meals. We're devoted to prayer. And then verse 43 tells us a deep sense of awe came over them. And the apostle performed many miraculous signs and wonders. When we devote ourselves to these things, the power of God is released in our church and miracles begin to break out. How many people are ready to see miracles happen? When you begin to operate in God, miracles will begin to take place. Chains will be broken. Lives will be restored. And miracles of incredible magnitude will happen. But don't for one minute think that a miracle of an incredible magnitude isn't someone coming to know the Lord or isn't, isn't feeding somebody for a night or isn't restoring hope to a person that has lost all hope for a future. Because in those things, those are powerful miracles that only the work of the Holy Spirit through us and in us can perform. And then verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. Here we are, folks. Here we are, sharing our life, our love, sharing in in our gifts of benevolence. Can I show you this morning that we are actually a biblical church? If you've got a problem, we're going to We're going to meet it, not just you, but we are going to meet it. If you're celebrating, we are going to celebrate. If you're hurting, we're going to come around you. If you're looking for answers, we're going to help you. We're going to be your church. But watch this. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, many people, again, point to communism in this moment, but it's not that, it's not that, that evil doctrine. Instead, it's, a, it's an act of the kingdom that says that we care more about each other than our things. We are more concerned with people than we are with the things that we are pursuing. In fact, we love you and we're interested, more than interested, devoted, to loving you and supporting you through your life. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes 
for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. If that is not the picture of a beautiful church, a thriving church, I don't know what is. And that's the picture of Christ's legacy. So the question that we've all been asking ourselves this whole time is how am I making my church look like the church? How am I doing that? Verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. When people in our community, when your friends, when your family sees us functioning together like we are called to do, coming around this family and supporting them, when everything says that this family should fall apart, Christ says that this family comes together. When you go through trauma and crisis in your life and everything in the world says that you should go into debt or that you should fall apart or that you should face trouble and trials and situations, God says, no, we should come together. And when people all around us see our love for one another, that is when people come into the Lord each day. That is how our church grows when we function as a church. It's more than just flowery talk. It's more than just this. It's more than just a, a beautiful worship service. It's more than just wonderful things happening all around. It's when people like you and when people like me actually begin to function like the body of Christ. So we have opportunities to participate in care teams for the Falcons. We have opportunities all around our church to serve in various departments. We have opportunities for you personally to share love and the gospel to your friends and neighbors and your family. We have opportunities for you to give, to donate. But we don't wanna miss the opportunity that you have to invite people to participate in our community. Because here at Christ's Legacy, we believe that we are the very best community of God. That when people come in and fellowship with us, and when people come in from, from our community and be a part of our family, then they will have the best chance to be supported and encouraged and to be taught and trained and discipled and uplifted in God in his, in his word. That's what we believe. And inviting them to our community, inviting them into our family is what we're called to do. So invite people. Invite people to come and, and join our fellowship. Invite people to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Invite people to come and, and participate in all that we do because that is what God wants for our church, for us to be a healthy, growing church mature, filled with the Holy Spirit, and moving in action, not just filled with words, not just hearers of the word, but filled with the Spirit and doers of the word. Amen? Finally, you have in your seats this card here. Back to school bash. Ah, thank you. 
And the Backs to School Bash is this wonderful opportunity for you to invite people throughout our community with children to come and to be a part of this wonderful outreach program that we're going to be doing. You see, on Sunday, July 31st, at six o'clock, when people arrive with children, they can register to receive one of these beautiful backpacks. And these backpacks are actually filled with school supplies in them. Do you know how much it costs to get school supplies these days? And God help them if they have more than one kid. <laughs> Some of these families are gonna have to figure out which, which student, which child is gonna be the smart one in the family. <laughs> Some of these decisions are like, well, I think you can support me when I'm old. <laughs> but here at Christ's Legacy, we don't believe that any, any parent should have to make that decision because you're out of luck. <laughs> the truth is, is that we want to be a blessing to our community. We want to help them in real and tangible ways. We don't just say we're praying for them. We don't just say we're praying for revival. We ourselves bring the revival to a hurting and lost generation of people that have real needs. And the Bible is clear. When we study God's word, we see that every time Jesus came in, he met a physical need so that it opened the door and meet a spiritual need. What do you think the trade-off is to give a, a, a child a backpack so that they can have an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Well, what do you think it, it means for a family to, to receive some small tangible good from a church and then realize that the church is more than just telling them what they've done wrong, but it's a body, a family of believers that tell them that we can partner with them in life and in love. That's the church, folks. That's the church I want to be a part of. What are we doing to make our church look like the church? Things like this. Backpacks, bounce houses, water slides, the gospel of Jesus. Care teams, mill trains, loving people, caring for them, going out to eat with them. Somebody say amen. <laughs> would you stand with me all over this place? If you would, just hold a card up in your hand with me. Hold a card up in your hand. You'll find them on your seat all over the place. In this moment, as we conclude our service today, we as a church are going to pray for each one of these cards. And then I want you, as you pray, to allow the Holy Spirit to put a family or a child on your heart to hand this prayerfully over to and to meaningfully invite them to participate in an outreach for this church so that we can experience growth in the kingdom of God through many salvations. Let's pray. And let's invite the Lord to do something great through us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look like the church, to be filled with your spirit and to do things, Lord, that only you 
can do as you empower us. So Lord, I pray God that you would put it on our hearts and our minds right now, a face, a name, a family. Lord Jesus, that that would be ministered to in such an impactful way through our obedient invitation to something designed specifically so that not only a physical need would be received, but a spiritual and eternal impact would be made. Lord, let names, let faces roll through our minds right now. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would be encouraged. Lord, have the courage and have the words to invite our friends, our neighbors, our family members to to this outreach. We love you, Lord. Lord, as we stand here today, acknowledging, Lord, a a hurting family in our congregation in the Falcons, I pray, Lord, that you'd allow your peace, Lord, you're the Prince of Peace, to flood over the cracks and crevices of their broken heart. Lord, to allow us as a church body to step in and to fill the gap. And Lord, I pray, God, that each one of us, Lord, in the loss that we experience in our own personal lives, in our own personal struggles and trials, Lord, would not only reach out to you, but reach out to each other as part of a body of believers, the family of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would use each one of us to encourage and uplift each other. Lord, that we wouldn't simply wait on you to perform the miracle because you are waiting on us to be the miracle. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we acknowledge this morning that you've called us to minister on your behalf. So move through us, Holy Spirit. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Work through us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. This morning, thank you for coming. It's your charge. It's your responsibility to win the loss in your city, in your town, in your neighborhood for the cause of Christ. Let's go win the loss, family. Let's go comfort the hurting. Let's go believe that God can do miracles through us. Amen? Amen.